Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by. And don't forget to review, rate, subscribe, share it with your friends. We love being able to bring to you uh, each month Supernatural Leadership content to help take your leadership to the next level when it comes to the supernatural. Well, we are diving in today to part two of exploring dreams with John Thomas. If you listened at the beginning of the month to our um, chat with John Thomas, such an inspiring one around diving into the value of why dreams are so important for our supernatural leadership life. So for those of you that maybe didn't listen to part one, are going to go back a little bit later just to give you a little bit about who John Thomas is. He was radically delivered from drug addiction in 1996, and uh, he began pursuing God's call on his life. He actually was mentored by uh, seasoned uh, veteran John Paul Jackson. If you, those of you that have, have ever tracked or heard John Paul Jackson's teaching, he is uh, an incredible, or was because he's dead now, credible teacher on dreams and interpreting your dreams like one of the best in my opinion in our day and our time uh, after john paul jackson passed in 2015 john actually took over uh the leadership of streams ministries and so he carries uh and is carrying on what john paul started it's incredible and so he has the same if not even greater uh gift and leadership call on his life to do this and take it to the next level. He teaches dream interpretation and prophetic ministry and mentors leaders around the world, helping them understand the various ways God is leading them and the organizations they are responsible for. And has co-authored and authored many books and programs that you're going to hear about at the end of this episode that I would encourage you to jump on, take part of, purchase. I know it will bless and help your leadership. But we're talking about dreams again. And I want to just open it up with Job chapter 33, verse 14, before I welcome John on here. It says this, the, the, the fourth friend, the smartest of the four that was giving Job advice during his hard time. There was three giving him bad advice. This was the, the one giving him good advice. Elihu says, for God may speak in one way or another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. I love this. We, we dream. We have experiences at night, yet man doesn't always perceive it. So the goal, the purpose of these conversations that we're having is about opening us up to the value of just because we don't understand something doesn't mean we don't pursue that something. And so when God speaks to us at night, we don't perceive it. We don't understand it. It's just an opportunity to, to get into the word, to get on our knees, to, to pursue understanding. And in the culture, Old Testament culture, um, you know, kings, pharaohs, leaders always had spiritual advisory around them. Some bad, some good. Daniel was one of the good ones. In fact, he was the one over all the other ones that weren't so good. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar promoted him 
as a result of his ability to interpret dreams, his ability to interpret uh, enigmas, things that were not understood, dark sayings, which often God spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament, which were riddles. And, you know, dreams often feel like a riddle. They feel like something that feels super enigmatic in nature. We don't understand them. We wake up, we're confused by them. But I believe God wants us to pursue them. You know, Genesis chapter 40, verse 8, Joseph in prison, hearing the dreams of those also in prison, uh, said, do not all interpretations belong to, to God. Tell them to me, please. And Joseph, you know, was promoted as a result, just like Daniel, because of a dream. We see this over and over again. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper today, sharing some stories about innovators and about inventors that actually had these innovations and inventions inspired by their dreams. And so let's dive in and welcome John Thomas to this episode. John, welcome back. Part two. Yeah, thanks so much. Glad to be back. So good to have you, man. And I, I, I know you heard just my my intro there. And what, what do you what do you have to say about that? Because I know you have, uh, you have lots of stories, yeah, and uh, insight into this. And uh, you even mentioned a, a scripture to me uh, when we were chatting earlier. And let, let's just dive in. Let's just dive yeah. into how inventors and innovations and inventions come from dreams. Well, you know, one of the things to realize is there, there really is a biblical foundation for all of this. And, and there's somebody that we all know, and we know the story, but we don't realize that the business strategy that he used to get wealthy was actually given to him in a dream. That's the story of Jacob. Yeah. So Jacob ends up, he, he's running from his brother Esau, wants to kill him because he stole the birthright. He, he ends up with his uncle Laban and he, he works for seven years for his wife ends up getting the wrong sister has to work for another seven years. And then the third seven years, Jacob is like, Hey, I want you to stay on everything that you do gets blessed. And I realize I'm getting blessed because of what you're doing. And Jacob's like, you know, I, it's great blessing you, but I also need to build something for my family of responsibility. And so Jacob's, well, what's your suggestion? We find out later in the story that at some point during this conversation, Jacob has a dream. And, and in the dream, he, he has an angel that comes to him and tells him, hey, you're going to make wealth by taking the spotted and the speckled. Now, the spotted and speckled animals, the, the goats and the sheep. Now, what's interesting is in that time period, the spotted and the speckled animals were not considered the good choice. Uh, they wanted the, the, the solid color. Those were considered purer, stronger, uh, a better animal. And yet he's going to put his hope on spotted and speckled, but not only on spotted and speckled animals. In this experience, this dream that, he's, that he's, he tells his wives that he had about this, this angel tells him to take pieces of wood and cut strips off of the bark and expose the, the different color of the wood and put it into the watering trough that when the strongest of the animals were during the mating season, he put a piece of wood in their water and they would see a spotted and speckled piece of wood. And that was how they would have spotted and speckled babies. And this is what you're gonna put your business strategy on. Wow. <laughs> like if you think about that, that that's absolutely insane. Amazing. Like, why does a piece of wood in water make the babies come out spotted and speckled? And, and it's it's one of the one of the keys that we learn about the business strategies of the Lord. They don't always make sense 
to what we think of as the norms for uh, our scenario. I mean, Jacob was a lifetime shepherd. It's what he'd done. He, he did it with his dad. He, he comes. He, he's done extremely well for his uncle. He's made him wealth. He has a lifetime of experience. He knows the right way of doing this and how to do it well. And yet this dream, he changes his strategy because of this dream. And so dreams can actually give you something that's unconventional wisdom that gives you a breakthrough that other people don't get. I love that, man. And I think that I was actually just saying yesterday that, you know, what often makes no sense to us makes the most sense to God. I mean, that's the core of the yeah. gospel. It's the foolishness, the things that feel foolish to us it are often the wisdom of God when it comes to the gospel, it comes to spiritual life. You know, he gives us peace beyond what our understanding, our own understanding, you know, lean not Proverbs three, the wisest of all of all leaders at the time, Solomon, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your journeys and all your experiences, acknowledge God and you'll walk straight. I mean, this is the core, I think, of successful dream interpretation is to not let what doesn't make sense become a roadblock in your pursuit yeah. of understanding God's language. I remember years ago, I had this uh, open vision, this open encounter. It was on the East Coast in Canada, and I was speaking. I was in a movie theater, and I had this open vision, and this giant bald eagle came into the room. It was open vision, and in the moment, like I'm not, I'm not necessarily aware of like if it's happening in the natural or in the spiritual, because you know these moments sometimes happen so quick, right? And this this giant like bald eagle came into the room and stood before me, and in its talons it had this scroll, looked like an old scroll. And it, and it unraveled in front of me and it had all these like words, but it was a different language and I couldn't understand what it said. And the Holy Spirit in that moment said, this is often what's happening in the body of Christ. They're seeing something, but they're not recognizing what it is that I'm saying. And that's what dreams feel like. We see something in dreams, but we don't always recognize. And so, like I said, in the beginning in Job chapter 33, like man does not always perceive it. So that doesn't mean we don't pursue it. And so let's talk about some of this. Let's go a little bit deeper because I know there are like so many inventions. You mentioned even, yeah. you know, the movie Avatar and James yeah. Cameron. And like, let's let's dive into that because this is happening to, I mean, we don't know where their faith is at. We don't know what they believe, but God shows us things in dreams and our, our, our goal, our process our journey is to discover what it is that he's saying even if yeah. we don't believe in god and you're listening and you don't even believe in god like god can still and is still speaking to you in dreams yeah i mean it's one of the beautiful things about how good god is it, he will help anybody that will give attention he, he doesn't just wait until somebody is completely surrendered and you look at that in scripture but like james cameron i i, I find this story so intriguing because uh, i i love a, a lot of his movies like th this guy is a he's an astounding director and what what he's able to do producer when it comes to movies is 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 really cool so 1994 he, he he's he's successful He's already put out some some hit movies. He's known as a, you know, and for what he's doing. And he has a dream in 1994. He woke up from the dream, wrote it down, and he realized, wow, this is a movie script. 
And so he actually wrote out the script uh, for what we, we call Avatar. And he's, he's looking at remembering his dream and realizing, you know what? We do not have the technology to be able to make this and give it justice to what I experienced. And I'm not gonna do something that doesn't give justice to, to what I experienced. And so he just puts it on the shelf literally wow. puts it on the shelf and then picks it up like 15, um, 15 years later, something like, I can't remember exactly what year the, the first avatar came out, picks it up much later because now the technology is available. And he, he looks at it, he realizes we've got the technology to do this. Now, I, I was reading an article and they were talking about how normally his way of producing and overseeing his leadership style is, is kind of more big picture. He casts vision, he has certain things that he's looking for, but the details, he trusts the experts. So when it comes to CGI and that kind of thing, he, he trusts the experts to do their pieces. But with this movie, he didn't. He, he didn't want them taking too many creative liberties because he wanted it to do justice to what he'd seen. So he was involved in the, the creatures and, and the way wow. that they looked because he's trying to get it to look like what he saw. And we ended up with this movie, which is, I mean, it's very entertaining, fun movie. I mean, what, what great good does it do to the world? It made some people smile, yet it, it was something beautiful that God gave. I think those are the best filmmakers too, you know, like I think we can rush the process. I think with any yeah. dream, any vision, whether it's just a dream, like not a dream in the night, but a dream just in general, any vision in life, we can so compromise because of how fast we want the thing to manifest. And I yeah. love like hearing stories like that about guys that waited out the process until they felt it was a reflection of what they saw. I think if a lot of us did that more, I think we would have a lot more of a legacy to leave behind for the next generation. Like someone like James yeah. Cameron and all of his filmmaking, I mean, people remember his movies. Yeah. Like they remember his movies. And I think for us moving forward as leaders, I think we have to remember that it's it's a lot more important to uh, be significant than just to be successful. I think successful yeah. is, is how the, the world defines, you know, like we, you know, we, we make the money, we, you know, get the, the crowds or whatever, whatever it is that we're selling or doing or whatever, but significance is leaving something to remember. And I think people like that, that can hone in and wait out a process. I think that, that, that's significant to me. Um, yeah. and I love that. I love that. Who else, who else, like who else, uh, comes to your mind when it comes to inventors and innovators that were inspired to do what they did with from a dream yeah well here, here's an interesting one so th there's this lady that is in the guinness book of world records as the first self-made millionaire female millionaire but she also happens to be the first self-made african-american millionaire in the united states and, and her name was madam cj walker it, she she had she was first generation uh, freed slave, and she had this hair issue, which was pretty common uh, among African Americans at the time, where where her hair would fall out, and she was losing a lot of hair. And so there there's I mean still to this day that this is an issue and in in and uh for for people that they lose their hair and there are all kinds of ideas things that they do to. To, to fix that well she's she's struggling now she's a believer 
And so her struggle becomes intercession. She just starts praying and asking God, God, you've got to give me a solution. You got to give me a solution because it wasn't just her that was dealing with it. A lot of her friends and people that she loved her family members were dealing with the same issue. She's like, there's got to be a solution. Well, she ends up having a dream. And in this dream, she meets with an African man. She knows that he is from Africa and in Africa when they meet in this dream. And he starts explaining to her how to make this concoction, this uh, solution for this problem that she'd been interceding and praying about and gives her a list of ingredients that she had to put together. When she woke up, she wrote down the ingredients and she didn't even know what some of them were, but through doing some research, she found out some of them were actually native to Africa. And so she, she finds a way to get these, re, these different elements or plants and different things. I'm not sure what all the pieces were, but she gets them from Africa, from where she can get them. She puts this potion together and puts it into her hair and her hair actually starts growing back faster than she was losing it. Wow. She tries it out with a couple friends, it's working. So she decides that she's gonna start bottling it and selling it. And it was so successful, it was in the 1800s. So shortly after the civil war here in America, she, she ended up buying her own property. She, she built factories, she employed, uh, a lot of people, I think it was in, in the low hundreds of, of her employees. I mean, just a significant transformation for an individual and a legacy, but somebody that trusted that God could do something that nobody else thought could be done and just went with it. That's amazing. How, what would you say to people that are thinking in their mind, okay, I've had dreams about things, inventions, because sometimes like we know this, right? You and I, uh, we dream and many others dream. We don't always remember every detail when we wake up. Like if I don't write down some of the details the first time I wake up, let's say I wake up at four in the morning after a dream and I go back to bed, I, unless God brings it back to me, cause something like, you know how this is, like it's something can trigger it right in the day. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I had a dream last night about this. And we write it down right then. Unless that happens, I can forget. And so I think a oh, lot yeah. of people wake up, they forget some of those details. Like, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you know, Madam C.J. Walker, she had the dream, but then forgot the details of the the the, you know, the ingredients, mm -hmm. you know, what do you think that dream then maybe would just be symbolic that she's going to be a part of solving uh, a problem with people in the, in the hair industry, for example, uh, yeah. or like, do, like, how do we interpret? I guess my question really in, is what would you say to people with the question of how do we interpret between like symbolic dreams, like you're a part of the solution versus like every detail in the dream is a hundred percent literal and do it this way and you'll succeed. Like how, how yeah. do we, how do we navigate that? Like give us, give us some insight into that. Hey everyone, before we continue on with this interview, I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called The Voice of God Module. I would encourage you head over to SupernaturalLeadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new Supernatural Leadership journey. Yeah, sometimes it's really trial and error. 
Um, there, there's an element of this walk with God that you're not going to have all the knowledge to be able to figure it out. It actually, we walk by faith and not by sight. It, it, we, we, we just have to try things and trust and, and do our best. So some of it, like what she did, she, she did her best to get those ingredients and then she checked it out. Did it work? And that, that's one of the, the keys. If you're not sure if it's metaphoric or, or if it's literal, do what you can with what you got and see if it works. If it doesn't work, then start praying. Oh, yeah, so this must be metaphorical. Or you get some of the pieces and you don't get all the pieces. You, you, you start, you go back into that place of relationship. Okay, God, so I've, I've got these pieces. Do, do I just try with what I have? I know I don't have everything that you said, or is that going to be revealed later? Am I going to find that? Is somebody else going to bring that piece? What was that metaphorical? What do I do with this? Oh, I don't want you to do anything with this. Just look for the opportunity when somebody else shares this. I, I was actually, I was just talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, it, not related to an invention dream, but somebody had had a, a dream experience where they had seen something and it was a prophetic word for the body of Christ. And when they woke up, they just wrote it down and they just had the sense they weren't supposed to tell anybody. They held on to it for 12 years and had wow. prayed about it. And the Lord said, well, when somebody else tells you something similar, then you can share it. Wow. 12 years later, they're in a conversation with somebody, shares a similar experience, and they're like, okay, now I can share it. It was confirmation uh, of this prophetic word that was being released. So sometimes it's, it's just like that, that testing of relationship, like, God, what do I do? And you follow the promptings and the leadings of your spirit, yeah. and, and you pray for the open doors. Sometimes it's really clear, this is what you do. But when it's vague, you just try it out, but don't put too much onto something that you're not positive of, unless you feel the Lord telling you to. Yeah, that's so, so good. That, that's yeah, so good, man. I think it. it's, it's part of the mystery too, of yeah. relationship, right? Like so many people are so overwhelmed by not understanding their dreams that they throw all of them out because we want to now, everything has to happen now type of a culture. Like that's how we live, right? Like yeah. there's drive through, everything's quick. If it doesn't, and people have often said this to me, well, if it's really God, he'll bring it back to me. He'll make it clear. <laughs> and I actually just don't believe that's biblical. It's not. like, if it's really God, you need to position yourself. You need to pursue. You need to go after it. Take the bull by the horns. Like, yeah. don't just sit on your couch doing nothing, thinking that God's just going to drop if it's really him. No, like God speaks into our potential. He gives us insight, gives us ideas, and then we're called to run with it. You were called to, and I think also, I, I think there's another component too. Like the more time you spend in this space, like my 12 year old daughter, she dreams all the time, like very detailed, very accurate, uh, very important things happen as a result of her dreams. And I'm trying to tell her every time, like, even if you don't understand it, or even if we talk about it, and I don't understand it. Like just get into a habit of always writing them out because yeah. what you value and put value into by putting time into, you make room for multiplication in your life, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. Yeah. And so I'm trying to teach her that. I think all of us can learn from that. And I think time is the biggest part of learning, I think, the answer of whether something is symbolic or literal. I remember one time I was in a dream. This is kind of funny. I was literally in my wife's intestine. I was walking around in my wife's intestine, and from her intestine – 
I was saying out loud to her. And she was actually, while I was asleep, she was hearing me say it to her out loud. And I was telling her all the vitamins she was missing in her body from her intestine. (laughs) That's a weird dream. Like that is a weird dream, but it was during a time where her health was being compromised and she actually needed these vitamins. And so she was hearing me say it to her out loud while I was in her dream. (laughs) Anyways, wild. But like when I have these moments, because I've had these types of things happen for years, like yourself, you just learn when things are symbolic and things are literal. And so I think that's a huge part of it. Let's dive into some more. Like who who else stands out to you when it comes to, you know, innovators and inventors? Yeah, well, well, we'll kind of stay on the whole, the medical idea. There, there's this guy by the name of Otto Louie, L-O-E-W-I or W-I-I. I always forget how to spell it. He, he won a Nobel Peace Prize in the beginning of the 20th century for a discovery that he made um, on how brain science and, and the chemicals in the brain and how different chemicals introduced into the brain could inhibit or enhance the electrical signals of the brain. He'd had this concept, this theory that he had been developing, but he could not figure out how to prove it. And so he'd been struggling over this, struggling over this. And it was actually, it was Easter day. He was working for whatever reason. Um, some, some people just can't stop. <laughs> he was working. He goes home from work and, and he goes to sleep on, on Easter day. And he wakes up the next morning. And while he was sleeping, he'd had a dream that showed him the, the, the test that was going to prove his theory. Wow. Well, he just kind of gets up and gets around and kind of brushes it off and doesn't think of it as important, doesn't do anything with it. And partway through the day, he's, he's remembering, but he can't remember what it was. So it's just the sense there was something there. And, and he actually, again, he was a believer. So he starts repenting for not having valued his dream and ask God to bring it back. The next night he has the same dream again. This time he woke up and he wrote it down and went straight to his laboratory. And it was this, this test with uh, frog brains and putting them in, in uh, liquid baths and introducing a chemical over here. And so he was able to prove his theory. It's actually the foundational science for all psychiatric drugs that, that we have. Wow. And he, he got this in a dream. And because he actually did something with it, one, I mean, Nobel Peace Prize, it, it's, it's a significant discovery for the betterment of humankind. And so now there, there's a bunch of people that are dealing with psychiatric issues that can get some help uh, while they're waiting for God to show up and give them the miracle that, that completely sets them free. Wow. And I, that's amazing. And I would venture to say that probably a lot of these guys, whether we know had you know, documentation on this or not, that a lot of these guys later on in their life, whether they knew Jesus or believed in God or not, eventually did as a result of God introducing something of this nature to them in a dream. Like, and I know people that have had encounters with God and have had transformation in their life and have made a commitment to walk with Jesus in relationship as a result of supernatural dreams like this and so yeah you know often people think well you know is it is it the devil given the dream you know is it like they're in divination or something yeah maybe maybe but i think there's another side of it that god is so good the goodness of god leads us to repentance paul said yeah and i think it shows the goodness of god that even if you are you know anti-god anti-jesus 
And Jesus still speaks to us. He still invades our privacy. He invades our moments. He drops things like this uh, out of the goodness of his heart to, to allow us to be significant on the earth or leave something yeah. of significance. Like some of these inventions that are still making impact and we're reaping the benefits of today. Like that to me, that's a, a sign of the goodness of God. And so yeah. let's continue on, man. Who, who else stands uh, out to you? Well, I'll, I'll throw one piece on that last bit. And before I go into the next story, yeah. it, when you look at the dreams in scripture, I've been doing a, a study on the dreams in scripture recently. Most of the dreams that are written out in scripture were given to people that were not in covenant relationship with God. So that, that actually plays itself out. Yes. God claims these dreams as his voice, but he's given them to people that don't know him. Uh, and so as, as believers, we shouldn't discount these things just because of who they came through. The question is, is who's the source? And I, you know so, what, just to say on that for a second, you're just inspiring me here for a second. Uh, Often we think that the, the main lead, let's, let's, let's qualify this for a second. The mm -hmm. president, the prime minister, whoever the top dog is, is the most important when in fact, scripturally, it was the guy second. Yeah. Joseph, Daniel, these guys that actually had the insight to help them lead better by helping them discover, like you just said, when God intervenes mm -hmm. in a dream, who are the people that were actually giving them the counsel, the right counsel? It was the people around these guys. And I yeah. think that it just goes to show that, you know, like believers and kingdom people need to focus less on becoming top dog and thinking about how they can be of assistance and support to those that are in those top categories and actually get the ear of those people because they need your voice. They need your insight. They need your counsel. And so I, I, I love that. That, that inspires me because I think, you know, we put so much focus, especially in this time, right? Like mm -hmm. the world's in chaos, the president, yeah. the prime minister, they're the answer to the, the problems. And like, we're pinning them to the wall all the time. You know what? No, we need the guys second. We need the guys third lower on the, on the rank to get these guys attention to speak truth, to speak love, and to get spiritual insight and counsel so that these top guys can get the right direction to move things yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's not usually the person at the, that's the most visible that has the most influence. And, you know, we've become so fascinated with celebrity culture. We just, we want our names known. And, and to some extent, the broader culture, so not, not Christian culture per se, but the broader culture, we, you know, it's like, I just want my name known, whether it's good or bad or anything. And people do stuff just to be known. But the real influencers and movers and shakers, they're, they're usually not the ones that are known. Um, because the ones that are known, they, they end up, the, the public opinion you, puts them up and then takes them down. But a lot of the influencers that are the second person in command, they stay there in places of influences while the, the person at the top is, is changing and they're able to have long-term. And, and our goal is to really change the world. Like that we're, we're here to change the world, not to be known to the world, but to change the world. And so that it, it does often come as the second person, which yeah, is- I hope that encourages somebody out there because like Paul, Paul said it, you know, talking about the body of Christ and the many parts, like the less honorable parts are the parts or the more honorable parts are technically the parts that are hidden, the private parts, like yeah. they're the most precious. You got to keep them hidden, man, protect them. Yeah. But they're like the most powerful in the end. You might see the head, you might see the face, you might see the hands, 
but what you don't see is actually really important for advancing you know it's like in marriage like you know how, how do you how do you make babies <laughs> it's the it's the, <laughs> the parts that nobody sees right and that's yes. true with like just life and leadership in general like let's put more focus on those that nobody sees because they they're driving things forward and we don't realize it so i love yeah. that let's talk more about some of these people before we yeah. get off too far off on a rabbit trail <laughs> we go forever couldn't we yes. yeah so here, here's another interesting one because I, I love this one because the dream is so weird and yet god used it to to give a solution so elias howe is known for the invention of the modern sewing machine now he's not the first one that made a sewing machine but when he was around, there were a couple other people that were working on sewing machines and they were very clunky, they were very slow. And the problem was, was trying to figure out a way to, to get the thread to go through the material in, in a quicker pattern. And, and they tried everything. And Elias Howe was working on this because he, he, uh, he was a little bit of an inventor, but he made clothing. And he, he has this dream one night and, and the dream, he is caught by cannibals. Not a fun dream, right? He gets caught by cannibals and thrown into this huge iron pot over the fire. I mean, like what we would picture in like a, a you know, 50s Hollywood movie or something like that. He's thrown in this big pot and, and all night long he's in the pot and he's trying to figure out how to get out of the pot. And every time he picks his head up, the, the, the natives, the cannibals would poke him back down with a spear. And so he'd try to stand wow. up, they'd poke him down and stand up and poke him down. And it just went on all night long. He, he woke up the next morning, just horrified. Sounds like a sewing machine. The needle yeah. like <laughs> well, and that was what was interesting because he couldn't let go of it. He couldn't let go of this idea. And then as he's thinking about the dream, he realized there was a hole in the head of each spear. Wow. And it gave him the idea of putting the eye of the needle on the tip of the needle instead of in the back of the needle, which nobody had ever thought of. Wow. And that allowed the, the productivity of the sewing machine. And, and it's the reason why I'm wearing what I'm wearing, because that thing was invented. We can mass produce clothing instead of having to one piece at a time, do it bit by bit. Wow. I mean, weird dream, but God Man. used it. What are like, is there anything that stands out? Like, I know, you know, the dream mm -hmm. as far as like interpretive application, like some, you know, you say cannibal. Right. What what is what is a cannibal? Because somebody would hear that and they don't see the significance. They don't see the symbolic imagery or the depth of that. And we discount a lot of details often. What would you say about the significance of the cannibals? You know what, what's interesting, like without knowing a little bit more about his personality, maybe some of the issues that he was dealing with. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I could think of some things. I mean, the idea of a cannibal is somebody that feeds themselves off of other people. Um, and so just, you know, they, they get their livelihood, their, their continuing life by, by devouring other people, you know, we're biting and devouring one another, which is this idea of scripture where just beating other people down, using them for our own benefit. Um, there seems to be something like that. So was he being taken advantage of? Was there something that had happened maybe about his career 
where other people had, had been trying to take advantage of him, but then God gave him a solution that made him the head in the middle of that situation. I don't know enough about his actual story to prove that that's right, but that would make sense with the dream. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's important. We, a spider can mean one thing to one person and a whole other thing to another person and mean something totally different from a biblical uh, understanding. Yeah. And so you really need to develop your, your ear to how God communicates to you in dreams like this. When I think of cannibal without knowing anything, like you said, I think of the connection between the needle biting into the clothing. Mm. I think of the, I think of yeah. like the clothing getting eaten up by the thread. I think of that's how I think. So I, I love it because everybody has a different way. And this is the beautiful thing about, about God is that depending on who you're talking to, you're going to get different perspectives, but in the end interpretations always belong to God. And so this is yeah. why we need to know Holy spirit and that's why you're going to read like, you know, 10 dream books and you might get 10 different interpretations on the same object or the same color. Uh, yeah. But this is why you need, we need to know the word, study, study biblical numerology, colors in scripture, objects, what they represent, get a word knowledge, and then also have that relationship with God. Let's just close with this last one here. Yeah. Handel's Messiah. I know you mentioned that to yes. me. Let's talk about that as we close up. This is, it's such a fun story. I've actually got a friend that was a psychologist gone through all the training and they'll use Handel as a case study for, I, I can't remember what the technical term, but somebody that gets obsessive over something to their own detriment because he has this experience and he, he described it as a heavenly encounter that he, he, he had seen glories and lights and angels and heard this beautiful music that, that had come out of it. And so he, he writes down, he comes out of this encounter and he locks himself into his study for three days, doesn't eat, doesn't drink, won't let anybody in the room. And he, he, was, he was just concerned that he was going to forget one note because the music was so impactful to his spirit. And, and it just, he, he knew the quality of it because he was a composer. And he just wrote down the whole thing, every single note. All he had was the music, right? So after three days, he's got this music. And then now what, what do we do with it? At the time, that there was a common, and we still call it an oratorio, it's this idea of a classical musical piece that has words to it, and the words tell a story. At the time, there had been no such thing as an oratorio that was about a topic. They were always about a story, and so maybe you'd have one about Samson, or you'd have one about David and, and Goliath. They, they would tell these stories to this beautiful music, and, and the singers would do it um, and, and put it together, and it was just a way of reminding the stories. Well, there was a friend of uh, Handel that wrote oratorios, and he had had an inspiration that he felt was from God, that he was supposed to take scriptures that talked about the Messiah and turn only scripture verses, only words out of scripture into something like an oratorio, but it wasn't an oratorio because what do you call it? Because it's not anything that's ever been done before. Right. He writes it out. And after he's got it all written out, he, he, he feels like he's supposed to send it to his friend, friend Handel. So he sends it to Handel. Handel gets it, is looking at it and realizes that it mirrors the music 
And that's how we have Handel's Messiah. Wow. The music was given to one person, the words given to another person, one in a dream experience encounter, the other just inspiration, the Holy Spirit speaking to somebody. And it came together. I mean, almost everybody knows at least one of the phrases, the kind of the song from from Handel's, the, the famous hallelujah. Like if you say that, everybody knows what that is. It's changed the world in some wow. ways. Wow, I love that. I love that. I love how it was confirmed with somebody else. Like somebody else, like God, like brought somebody else into the mix in cooperation with the dream that Handel uh, had. Is that how I say it? Is that Handel? Uh, Handel or Handel? I'm I'm never quite yeah. sure on the right pronunciation. Um, but anyways, I think that's that's amazing. Uh, I I think that's so encouraging. I think dreams in the end, if they're from God, you will have at some point other people coming in to play to bring confirmation and peace that you're to move forward. I think God really loves community. He loves cooperation. And uh, that's just part of part of his nature. I think a couple recaps that I get, and then I'll let you take it away for some activations for those listening. How can we activate some of this stuff um, is to value all dreams. Just as a, I think that's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a safe way to say, I'm not closing my mind to anything. I'm not saying that every single dream is a directional dream from God. You played video games for 12 hours one day and you were dreaming about Halo. Okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like just having a value in general for every dream and then saying, God, okay, how, like, how can I continue to pursue understanding? Cause dreams feel like enigmas. They feel like the things we don't understand. They're often riddles in nature we don't understand them but they play out as we pursue understanding and so i would say key takeaway from today is value these things because who knows they could be the next invention next innovation that changes culture or impacts culture in a significant way give us some activations how can we john moving forward position ourselves to activate some of this stuff a little more well, I, I, I try to grab a point from, from each of the stories. So like Jacob's story of the business strategy, if you get an idea in a dream and it doesn't make sense to conventional wisdom, don't throw it out or assume that it's metaphoric immediately. Test it out. Try it out. Actually ask the Lord, is this, is this something that you're asking me to do? And, and if you have a sense of this is real, just go with it. So don't throw it out just because it doesn't match conventional wisdom. Uh, Madam C.J. Walker, when, when you get an idea, you get an invention, try it, test it, see if it works. Once it works and it's proven, then you begin to share, you begin to do something with it. If, if you shortcut that, that process, you, you can end up crying wolf because you may eventually end up having a solution that people need. But if you keep on telling people what's not a solution is a solution, then they're not going to believe you when you do have a solution. So test it out, try it out, because if it's from God, it'll prove itself. You know, Otto Louie, write down your dreams, take them seriously. He didn't do it. He thankfully, his repentance caused God to give him that dream again. And so value it. And if you realize that you haven't been valuing your dreams, like, like we just said, then, then go back and like, God, I'm so sorry, please. If you've given me ideas in a dream and I've missed it, I, I didn't capture it. W- would you please forgive me and give it to me again? 
ask him to give it to you again. And then when he does make that commitment, I'm actually going to take this seriously. I'm going to search it out. I'm going to find out if it's God. And then the other thing is, even if you're not sure how the solution that you get matches the dream, that doesn't mean it's not from God. I mean, the idea of putting the, the eye of the needle at the tip because there were spears with, with holes in the, in the tip, it, it's, it doesn't match what we would think of as normal dream interpretation process. And yet, that's what God was doing. And so even if it's a side issue from the dream, follow it and let God speak and give you something creative because you, you never know where it might lead. That's amazing, John. I, I would encourage everyone to just set their heart to be open to everything that John just said. I think it's very powerful, drawing from those examples. And, uh, you know, step into the Word a little more in this season. You, you'd be surprised as you step into the Word a little more, especially in this area. You watch how it affects your dream life. Watch how it, if you position yourself to be open to God speaking to you in dreams, I believe He will be faithful. He may not give you the next invention that changes the world right away, but he'll give you something. So I just believe he's like that. He's so good. I would encourage everybody uh, as we close here to take some time to visit streamsministries.com. Check out John's website, all the courses. He has a course subscription as well as some books, as well as a new, uh, it's called Dream Elements, an alternative dream dictionary. I'd encourage you to check that out. Really will strengthen your leadership, especially in the area of discovering and exploring and interpreting your dreams. And so I want to thank you so much, John, again, yeah. for being uh, with us, for exploring our dreams, part two, so powerful. And i uh, love to have you back at some point real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we'll see you soon, man. And thank you so much for everyone listening today to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast, helping you, the leader, become a little more supernatural in your leadership. We will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.